Take your Bibles, please, and open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I think I say this every week because I love the Bible, but this is my favorite passage in the scriptures. And it's, it's on the, the top 10, even though there's 30 of those on my top 10, of my favorite passages. So this is one of those ones I'm really excited to speak about. I'm going to title today's lesson, Getting Close to God, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 21. But before we get to the scripture, did you ever get too close to something uncomfortable? Did you ever get too close to something uncomfortable? Sometimes that happens, unfortunately. We get too close to things that we don't want to get to. I'm going to give you my top 10 things that you do not want to get too close to you. Okay, top 10 things you don't want to get too close to you. Some of these might make you cringe, make you feel a little uncomfortable, but at least you're not close to them. Here's number 10, things that we don't want to get too close to. Now, I'm sorry if this sends anybody in a tizzy. Um, it's a bit of a risk. Spiders and wasps. I thought of two things I don't want to get close to. Now, typically, one of those, at least one of those, makes us uncomfortable, especially if we're around those things. Now, does anyone want to raise their hand and say they're afraid of one or the other? Who, what about spiders? Who is it? Spiders get near you, you're just going to freak out a little bit. Spiders? You used to? You got over it? Okay. Oh, now they're your pets. No, oh. <laughs> She has a spider farm now. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, what about wasps? Wa- I hate wasps. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flail. I'm going to flail like a little child if a wasp gets near me. I'm just going to go crazy. I'm not, I'm not brave with wasps. If there's wasps around, you're going to see Pastor Todd turn into a different person. I just don't like them. I don't want them getting too close. Spiders don't bother me, and I don't know why. I think it's because I can crush them easily, and they fear me. I can tell that. What's that? They can't fly. Thank you. That's a big, that's a game changer, right? One can fly in my face, in my eye, in my ear. I would be afraid of them. But either way, we don't want those two things getting too close to us. Boy, spiders could fly. That's a terrifying thought. Speaking of terrifying, here's number nine thing you don't want to get too close to you. This picture's gross. Um, almost didn't put that up there. But uh, someone's coughing or sneezing attack. Now, I know the last couple years has made that truly horrifying. But either way, right, either way, if someone does that next to you, you're going to take a little bit of a step away. Am I right? In fact, that happened to me the other day. Someone had a coughing fit in the grocery store. I didn't need that aisle anymore. I don't know what I was there for. (laughs) Crossed it off my list, and I said, I'll get it another day. Or I'll circle back, one of the two. I didn't need to be close to that. Here's number eight. This is a little bit generic, but... um, Weirdos. I don't know who this person is, but if he's looking at me like that, I'm going to be a little creeped out. Anybody who lingers looking or smiling at you who doesn't know you is going to be a little bit creepy, and you're going to want to put a little distance between yourself. But weirdos and creeps, keep your distance. Here's number seven. Um, Bad breath. Bad breath. I don't know what yours is, like what your breath would be the worst. Mine is onions, and it's not even close. I really don't like onion breath. And if someone has onion breath, I'm just going to move away from them. Because I told, I think it was Paul, I told Paul, onions are on another level. Now, it's not even breath, it's a presence. It's an entity. I think onion breath is an entity. And I need to get away from it as soon as possible. It might be evil. I might be able to prove it. Uh, bad breath. If someone has really bad breath, that's something you're just going to inch away from a little bit. Uh, here's number six. Maybe you guys have been there. And uh, it's ex-girlfriends and ex-boyfriends. Now, that's not one of my ex-girlfriends, okay? I just Googled ex-girlfriend and she came up, so. She's somebody's ex. 
maybe the founder of Google. That's his ex. But, uh, but yeah, she kind of looked like an ex-girlfriend. But here, let me give you another story. This happened to me once. I was also in a grocery store. For some reason, grocery store, this happens. All the bad things happen in grocery stores. But I'm in a grocery store, and one of my ex-girlfriends was there. And this was around college age. And I noticed her, and she didn't see me. But I noticed her, and I said, I don't want to get close to her. I don't want to get near her. I don't know what she'll say. I don't know what she'll bring up. So the entire time I'm at the grocery store, I'm dodging her. I'm keeping an eye on her. I'm keeping myself an aisle or two away from her. I'm going down aisles I shouldn't go down, like feminine products and uh, or, organic food. Like, I shouldn't be down there. Um, but I'm trying to stay away from this girl because I don't want her to see me and, and talk to me and say something weird. So girlfriends, ex-girlfriends and boyfriends, keep your distance. Here's number five, which has kind of picked up steam in the last several years. Um, growing up, I wasn't too scared of these, and now they're terrifying. Clowns. Keep your distance, clown. Don't get too close to me, clown. I don't know whatever does, what has changed our, our mood around clowns. but See, when I grew up, we watched a show called Bozo the Clown. Anyone watch that? Yeah. Yeah. Bozo the Clown. I loved Bozo the Clown. I loved Ronald McDonald. Now they need to stay away. <laughs> Keep your distance, Ronald, or we're going to have an issue. Here's number four. Now I have to preface this with my saying this is a joke. If you take this serious, I'm going to be mean-spirited, and I'm not. I like humor. Number four is the in-laws, okay? Aww. Joke! Excuse Joke. Now, I had to be fair here because in-laws goes two ways, depending how you look at it. Depending on who your in-laws are, you keep a little bit of his distance. I'm teasing. I love my in-laws. I really do. Steve and Marianne, don't disown me. I love you guys. It's just a joke. Here's number three. Bad drivers bad drivers. Now, this happens to me often. The other day, a, a semi was swerving in and out of my lane and his lane. What's your strategy when you're around a bad driver? Get away from them, right? Do you know what my strategy is? Gun it. I go about 90 until I'm several miles ahead of that guy, and then I feel safe again. I just, I don't want to be near bad drivers. I found this picture. I don't exactly know what if he's driving, but that's a bad strategy right there with the phone and the coffee, steering with his legs, maybe. Bad idea. Don't get too close to his bad drivers. Here's number two. And I'm sure someone has been there in this room at some time. Bosses. Right? Bosses need to keep a little bit of a distance. If a boss gets too friendly, it gets a little weird. And I found this picture of this guy that looks like he's kind of pity laughing at the boss. And I found how fitting that was, that bosses and authority figures just need to keep a little bit of a distance. Because there are bosses. They can fire us. They can make our lives miserable. Here's number one. All of them combined. A creepy boss with COVID and onion breath, who's also the father of your ex-girlfriend, who comes to work dressed like a clown, I don't know, who's also a bad driver and wants to take you to lunch, all while a spider is slowly crawling up your leg. That would be a bad day. Stay away from me, bad day. Um, that's a little bit of a joke. Here are 10 things you don't want to get too close to you. Now, I preface this because we are talking about someone we do want to be close to today, okay? So this is completely the opposite. We're talking about today being close to God, close to God. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read just a few verses, five verses, starting in verse 17. Listen to the Word of God. Paul, writing, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... This person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen? This chapter today is one of the richest, deepest chapters in the entire New Testament. It really is. The more time you spend in 2 Corinthians 5, the more treasures you will find. And it's one of my absolute favorites. I have spoken from or referred to this chapter several times in several lessons before. But I believe I've only scratched the surface of the amazing truths of this passage. Today we want to talk about a big doctrinal word. And I don't want you to get scared, okay, by a big doctrinal word. It's the word reconciliation. It's a simple word with a profound concept. Reconciliation. In fact, can everyone say that word out loud with me? Reconciliation. That's a fun word, isn't it? Reconciliation. And we're going to define that word here in a little bit. But if I would ask you... What is the most profound doctrine or truth in the entire Bible that pertains to mankind, what would you say? Would you say God's love for sinners? Possibly. What about God's forgiveness and mercy? How about the pursuit of God's glory? All amazing and wonderful doctrines. Well, the doctrine we speak of today is on that Mount Rushmore of important doctrines for mankind. Because once we understand what this word means, we will be hard-pressed to find a truth that means more to us than this one. Now let's define the word reconciliation. It means this, the restoration of friendly relations. The restoration of friendly relations. Has anyone ever got back with an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend? Awkward. Okay, that's over. But that's kind of what we're picturing with reconciliation is getting back together with someone in a relationship that's been broken, fixing something that has been broken. Now, that's how the Internet defines reconciliation. But let's now take a look at how God's Word defines reconciliation. This is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, excuse me, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, now counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see that in three verses. The word reconciliation is used four times. And referring to verse 17, I hope that at some point in your life you have heard this verse and meditated on this verse, and maybe even memorized this verse, because it is one of the most powerful statements the Word of God has ever made. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Guys, if we belong to Jesus, we are new creations. We're not just tweaked or modified or enhanced. We're brand new creations. God has literally remade us through Jesus. Can you comprehend that? 
If you have given your life to Jesus, you are brand new in the eyes of God. Brand new. This is the reason right here that Christians act so radically differently than they used to. So radically differently than the world does. Because we are brand new creations. We're not the same people we used to be. We are different souls who love different things, who hate different things, who think about different things, who pursue different things, who invest in different things than we used to. God remakes us, and we can no longer stay who we used to be. And Saul of Tarsus is writing this letter to us today. He became the Apostle Paul. Saul of Tarsus used to persecute the church of Jesus Christ, and now the Apostle Paul was seeking to build and strengthen the church of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was a new creation. For anyone who knows the wretched state of their soul before coming to Jesus Christ, this right here is an amazing and blessed truth. And this is worthy of memorizing, worthy of hanging it somewhere in your house to remind you that you are a new creation. <laughs> But you see, this verse gains even more power when we keep it in context. By the way, that was on one of my top tens, Kevin. I know, I know. If I back up from you now, you'll understand why. That was a power sneeze. That was a power sneeze. Now we're all freaked out. No, Kevin, he's not. He's fine. Uh, we love Kevin. But this verse here today is going to gain more power if we keep it in context. Now, we often isolate this passage, and it's okay to do that. Because this verse can stand on its own. But when you keep it in context, we discover a whole new truth that changes our lives. Because Paul says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now I want you to imagine if God simply remade us. He remade us. He made us new creations, and then he left us on our own. Have you ever given a toddler another cookie after they destroyed the first cookie? Or donut, or whatever you want. And then you walked away. You gave them a new cookie after they destroyed the first cookie, and then you walked away. What happens to the new cookie? Yes, that is an awe. It is an awe. But there's also another side to that awe, and that's the destruction that lies before them that their parents have to clean up for the next 45 minutes. Now, if you give a toddler a brand new cookie after they destroyed the old cookie, what are they going to do? They're going to destroy the new cookie or donut as well. And I'm sure some of it gets in their mouth, but it's also a tremendous destruction. Now, what would happen if God remade us and then left us on our own? Do you see what would happen? We would also destroy the new souls he gave us because that's what we do. We're broken people. We're sinful people. Even with amazing blessings God gives us, we find ways to ruin them. But this is exactly where and why reconciliation becomes important to us. Because after God makes us new creations, he does something else amazing. He brings us close to him. To watch over our souls like a good father. Now, if I'm sitting there while I hand my child a new cookie and I can guide them and watch over them while they eat that cookie, things might go a little bit better. Is that true? And God does that. He's a good father. He watches over our soul. He remakes us, but then he brings us close to him. 
Now, there's a very strange and false doctrine that exists in our day that seems to say that when God saves us, he saves us from him, from his wrath, as if God is our problem. The false doctrine is close to the truth, and that's what makes it a pitfall. Because all false doctrines have an element of truth to them, otherwise we wouldn't believe them. But if you listen to this and you think about this, there's a huge error and deception if we don't think clearly about this. Because when we see God's wrath as the thing that we need to be saved from, that paints the picture as if God is a short-fused father who is ready and willing to destroy his people. And thankfully, Jesus came down to earth and he cooled off the Father's temper by letting God destroy him instead. And that's at least the logical train that follows. And I've gone down that train in my own mind thinking that has to be what it is. Now, we need to be careful here because we can't go too far the other way as well. Some of that is true. We were destined for God's wrath. That is true because of our sins. And as TGD spoke to us the other week, we did indeed need to be saved from the penalty of those sins, which primarily is the wrath of God. That is also true. And it's also true that Jesus' death was the payment we needed to avoid the eternal punishment that was waiting for us. So there are elements to this false doctrine that are true. But I believe Romans 6.23 helps figure out the confusion, clean up the confusion. It simply states this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to read that again. For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, sin had put God's wrath upon us because the payment for sinfulness is death. It says it right there. And God is holy, holy, holy. He cannot and he will not wink at sin. Sin and sinners must be destroyed if they remain that way. Unless the sin is taken away. But can you tell even in this one verse, God is not our problem. What's our problem? Sin is our problem. The wages of sin is death. Not the wages of being close to God. The wages of sin is death, but the gracious or free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does it sound like God is out to get us? Or does it sound like God is out to save us? It sounds to me like he's out to save us. Does sin bring death? Yes, it absolutely does. To every single soul who sins, death is their destination and their fate. But God desires to save us from death, does he not? And save us he did when he sent his son Jesus to the earth to pay for the sins that you and I committed so that we would not have to die. And instead we could find eternal life with God. You see, if we're not careful with these truths, we can get mixed up by the devil into thinking that God is our problem instead of sin. That sin can actually remain as long as God's wrath is taken out of the picture. That as long as you and I get an eternal restraining order against God and his wrath, then we should be fine. Do you see how the devil paints that? As if God's the problem? That is an evil and false doctrine. Do you see the error of that thinking? Guys, God is not a problem. 
God is not the one trying to destroy us. God is not the one we need distance from. I'm sorry, Satan. We're not going to let those lies fly over Wyoming Valley Church. What is the problem here? Sin. Sin is the problem. Sin has always been the problem. Sin is what we need to be saved from. Sin is what is destroying us. Sin is the one we need to get away from. That top ten that I gave you, sin is by far number one. The thing that we need to stay away from and not get too close to. But on the contrary, God wants reconciliation. God wants us close to him. We need closeness to God. Do you remember what it says about our Lord in regard to whom we should run to in the midst of scary storms? Do you remember this verse? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. It doesn't say the opposite. The name of the Lord is a scary place to be. The righteous run away from it and are safe. On the contrary, the closer you get to God, the safer you are. The righteous run to the Lord and they're safe. The tower is the Lord himself. If God was a short-fused father like the devil wants us to believe, the last thing you want to do is be close to that father. But make no mistake about it, the absolute safest place we could possibly be is close to our God. When we are close to God, we are also very far from sin. And being far from sin and close to God is the absolute best case scenario. If you're in sin, you're in danger. If you're with God, you're safe. Now notice again the language from our main text. Paul says this, Now all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 19. Our God is seeking to bring the world close to himself and not count their wrongdoings against us. Aren't you thankful for those truths? God is seeking to draw you close to him and not count your wrongdoings against you. God wants you close to him. He desires to not count your wrongdoings against you. And I think we had better get our knees and thank the Lord for that truth because it literally has changed my life, and I hope it's changed yours as well. But the verse goes on. Paul says that because God has brought you close to him and has forgiven your sins, he gave us the responsibility to let the entire world know that God can do the same for them. He wants to bring them close to him, and he wants to not count their wrongdoings against them. Paul says he is committed to us, the word of reconciliation. It is now our responsibility and our privilege as God's children to share these amazing truths with the dark and lost world we live in. God wants to be their strong tower as well. God wants to forgive their sins as well. God wants them to be far from the dangers of sin and close to the protection of his loving arms as well. Amen? Tell that to the world. The world needs it. The world desperately needs it. And before we move on to our application today, I want us to consider how closeness to God would be a blessing in our life and the lives of those we love. 
The world we live in is a dark, scary, lonely, and hopeless place, is it not? Without God's presence, what possible joy and peace can anybody have? Sin stains every area of our lives. And we know that because selfishness permeates our society. Everyone cares about themselves primarily. And every year there are more dangerous and scary things that we have to fight against. How many more COVID variants are going to come, right? Every two weeks there's a new variant. There's new something scary to be scared of. What hope do we have without the almighty creator and sustainer of life watching over our souls? We need a protector. And we need a good father. And thankfully we can and we do. Now, did you ever wish you could just stay tucked away in your bed for an entire day, maybe an entire week or month, and just not have to go out into the harsh world that we live in? Did you ever hope that? Like, I just hope I could stay in bed all day or all week long. What is it about being in our homes and in our beds that brings such comfort to us? And I believe if we answer that question, we will realize that we are often looking for what only God can offer us. We want safety. We want security. And we want peace from the outside world. That's what we want. And what God came to offer us through Jesus are those exact three things. God wants us to have safety from the dangers of sin and Satan. He wants, to have, he wants us to have security from the hopelessness of death. And he wants us to have peace that we are righteous before God and loved by our Creator. Jesus in the Gospel checks all three boxes. And if you know Jesus, then you know safety. You know security. And you know peace with God. You know it so well, it has changed your life and made you a new creation, someone who now desires to please that God, no matter the cost. And you're so convinced of this that you want others to know this peace, security, and safety as well. So this is how Paul finishes his statement in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Paul says that those who have tasted of the benefits and blessings of being close to God are ambassadors for Jesus. God is making an appeal to the world through us. Those of us who have tasted of his goodness and love firsthand. God is shouting to the world from his children that he desires to love and save even more souls than he already has. Don't we have a good and loving father? Who have you told that recently? Who's heard that from your life? Who's seen that from your life? That you have a good and loving father, a protector, a savior, a God who loves you. Has anyone been told that recently? Because that's an amazing truth. That's an amazing truth. That is a life-changing truth. And so Paul does something unique. He pleads with us. He says, we implore you. We plead with you. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If there are any remaining souls in the Corinthian church who were potentially still outside of Jesus, 
If there are any souls here at Wyoming Valley Church that are potentially still outside of Jesus, Paul says, we beg of you, we implore you, we plead with you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Get close to God. See, Paul, he was the ambassador of ambassadors. There was no greater ambassador than Paul for Jesus. He had tasted of that safety, of that security, of that peace that God offers through Jesus firsthand. And that truth had literally changed him from Saul of Tarsus, the wicked, crooked, evil Pharisee who was seeking to hurt the church of Jesus and changed him into the Apostle Paul, the forerunner of the gospel. He sought to help and build and strengthen the church of Jesus for the rest of his life. The reconciliation of Paul to God turned Paul 180 degrees the other way. And so he gave his life so that others in this world would also know the love, peace, and safety of being close to God. He wanted everyone to know it. He wanted anyone to know it. He wanted his jailer friends to know it, his guards to know it. He wanted his friends to know it, his enemies to know it. He wanted everyone to know it, that they can get close to God and find peace, safety, and security. So Paul was an ambassador for Jesus. And then he says, you are too. Because that one word says we. We are ambassadors for God. And as if well, he's making one last plea to any souls remaining today who might still be far from God, Paul says this. There's his pleading and his imploring, but he says this in verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is a very, very, very important verse. The way God allowed us a chance to get outside of the storm of sin and inside the refuge of God, because that's what's happened to every single one of us. We're now outside of the storm of sin and inside the refuge of God. And the way that happened is God sent Jesus inside the storm of sin and outside the refuge of God. Aren't you thankful for the love and amazing sacrifice of Jesus? Jesus became sin for you so that you could become righteous in the eyes of God. Jesus entered the storm and left the safety of the tower so that you could leave the storm and enter the safety of the tower. And so our application today is quite simple because I believe there's two groups of, here, two groups of people here today. Two groups today before us. Two groups sit here today. You're in one or the other group. Group number one is those who have been reconciled to God. Reconciled to God, brought, brought close to God through faith in Jesus, and who are now and forever experiencing his safety, his security, and his peace from the storm of sin. That's group number one, and I know there's several of you sitting here today who have been reconciled and brought close to God and are now calling him your father your personal heavenly father. And group number one, we are ambassadors of Jesus to this world. Paul says we. We are ambassadors of Jesus to this world so that other lost souls in this world might see the light of the gospel of love of Jesus and come home close to God where they belong. 
And they're not going to know that unless we tell them. They're not going to know that unless we shine that. That is our job as ambassadors of Jesus, to declare and proclaim that message to this dark world. Group number one says, I've tasted of it, I've experienced it, it's real, and I want everyone else to know it also. And then likely there's some in group number two, because there was even in the Corinthian church. Those who have not yet been reconciled to God. They're still inside the storm of sin. They're outside of God's refuge where danger, disease, and death lie around every corner. And those in group two are in grave danger today. You're currently far from God and you're close to sin. And God wants the very opposite. He wants you far from sin and close to God. And the greatest thing about group number two is they can change today. It's not a 10-step process. It's one step. Turn around, put your eyes on the refuge of Jesus, and go to him. And he will by no means cast you out. He will open that tower. He will let you in. He will forgive your sins. He will bring you into the safety and peace and security that only God can offer. He will change your life for the rest of time. We need distance from sin, and we need closeness to God. And the only way that can happen is John 14, 6. TGD read it. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no way to find reconciliation apart from Jesus. The only way you find closeness to God is you go through Jesus. Jesus remains the only way to find closeness to God. He came into this world to trade places with you and I. He was willing to enter into the storm of sin on our behalf because Jesus did not commit one sin. He died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. He didn't die because of his sins. He died because of our sins, because we had a truckload of them. And Jesus will pay for every single one of our sins and will allow every single one of us to find forgiveness and closeness to God if we believe that Jesus is the only Savior of the world. And we must believe that. And if we let Jesus be the Lord of our lives, he will invite us in to the family and the refuge of God for the rest of eternity. But if we believe in Jesus, it comes packaged with becoming his ambassador to this dark world. It basically goes this way. Salvation is free. Forgiveness is free. Closeness to God is free, but it comes with one condition. You will let Jesus shepherd your life from now on because you don't know how to do it. You're going to destroy the new cookie. And you will shine that message to this dark world. Jesus gets to make the rules. He knows what's best. He knows how to operate this life, and we don't. And we will shine his gospel love to this world. If you say yes to that, you're saved, you're forgiven, and you're close to God today and forever. And once your life changes completely, because it will, I have a first-hand testimony of my life changing completely because of the refuge and the closeness of God. And once you become a new creation, because you will, You will now make it your aim to please the God who loves you, the Father who cares for you. 
and you will desire to share that amazing love to this dark world around you. I hope you've either said yes to Jesus already or that today, January 16th, 2022, is the day you become close to God. Would you bow in prayer with me? Father, there's much more to be said on this topic. We should linger here longer. And Father, maybe we will one day. But we thank you for this message today. You desire us to be far from sin, far from the thing that hurts us. You desire us to be close to you, close to the one who can protect us and watch over us and care for us and show us the way to go and the way to live. Father, you desire it so much, you were willing to send your only begotten son to this world to make it happen so that your people, your creation, could be far from sin and close to God. And I pray and I plead with any souls today, as Paul does, that no matter where we are today, if we're not close to God, then we would run to him today, through Jesus, recognizing he is the only Savior of the world, but he desires to save us, every one of us. And Father, if it's been a while and we've drifted from you, and today we can say to you once again, I need you. I need you. I need you close to me. I need to be close to you. Father, draw me to you. And I think that's what you're doing for every single one of us today. Father, care for the souls in this room and those who might be listening online. Let them know that you love them so much that you want them near you forever for the rest of time. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.